Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast with Brett, Ed, Fran, Johnny, Matt and Paul, helping you to build more muscle and to lose weight with a hint of banter and a dash of humour. Enjoy this week's episode. So how's your Christmas been, mate? <laughs> I reckon you're going to say, I reckon you're going to say, funny enough, I fasted till four because I just wasn't hungry. I don't know why I think you're going to say that. Hmm, I don't know. You must have read my mind. But funny enough, I did. I didn't go. I know it's, you know, it's like, especially because we, we had like, my sister brought like, they're not homemade, but someone's made cakes, like like a cheesecake. And I'm sure like, you guess into the calories you and you guess him like <clears throat> so my intake normally is like 2-2 two, two. I put in about 5-8 for, uh, for Christmas Day just just, so, just to quantify for listeners 2-2 two, two, as in your current requirements for your goal not like the ever, don't people assume that's your maintenance no it's not my maintenance no I'm just a bit uh, that should be quite far under my maintenance currently because I'm relatively heavy but yeah so it's about 5-8 and then I woke up because obviously you're eating stuff you don't normally eat and it's quite heavy in it. Even the even the dinner's heavy because it's full of veg, loads of fibres, loads of volume. Like, Pleh. I thought, oh, I don't feel like eating, and I didn't feel like eating until four o'clock. And I had a uh, she made like shredded the turkey up, like curry powder in it, and she made a curry. So it was just that turkey, peas, diced onions. So I didn't have any rice. I just had mixed frozen mixed veg with it. So it was like whatever it was, four hundred calories of it, whatever it was. And then, and then I had a dinner in the night, but obviously a lot smaller than normal. And I was about I put about a thousand calories in for that. So I was on about fifteen hundred for the day. Mm. I thought that was pretty decent. So I've got, I have clawed back a little bit of calories, but yes, yeah, so I like like you said before, mindfully doing it. Like yeah. normally, maybe not, maybe not so much last year. But you just I eat because it's there. Like mm. oh, there's sweets here, not sweets, but there's like chocolate, yeah, or there's cake, yeah. And even though I feel like vitamin, I feel shit. I eat, I eat it anyway. But this year I'm like, are you really hungry? No, just don't bother. So I didn't yeah. bother. And it was, I mean, it's easy, it's easy to do when you've had a shitload of calories in there to fast. It's not so easy to do when it's your general, you know. On your general amount of calories, but it's pretty easy. Yeah. No, the, 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 the that comment about that comment about uh, mindfulness or mindful eating is for me just more and more and more key. The more times I kind of like have these conversations, or the more like I just work with more and more people and whatever else, and the more I think about, I know I was gonna say more I think about kind of like the almost the reason for our like obesity epidemic i'll say reason like the causes of obesity i guess it's like so nuanced or, or multifactorial multi multifactorial that you can't you're never going to boil it down to just kind of this one thing but i do think this idea of thoughtlessness and just non-mindful eating for want of a better phrase is a like plays quite a large part and i think to myself even occasions like my, my, don't get me wrong my, my wife obviously doesn't struggle with weight issues so she's probably a bad example really however she did do something earlier today that i commented on because i said it was just thoughtless but we went shopping just before dinner and she went to little well i went to because obviously we didn't really want to go into like shopping together because obviously you're not you're not really supposed to be shoppers families aren't you but we're in tier four lockdown absolutely bored out of our minds already and it's only day three 
Um, so I thought, well, I need to go food shopping anyway. So I'll go food shopping. And she went to Lidl, which happens to be next door to Tesco's that I usually go to. So she went there with one child and I went to Tesco's. Other. Anyway, cut long story short, she went to the bakery section in Lidl and got like a cheese, like one of those big cheese straw things or like a cheese twist really rather than a cheese straw. Um, and I was like, why did you just have that? Because we're literally about to go home and have lunch. And I just said to her, it's like, it's just thoughtless really. Um, not in a, like a, I wasn't going, you fuck, I can't believe you said that. I was like, we were just talking about it. I said, oh, I just, I don't really know why you had it because obviously we're about to go have lunch. That's a bit silly really. Um, and she's obviously come home and not really wanted much because she's just had a, She's she's stressed straw thingy, which I guess is like part of the reason why she also manages her weight quite well because naturally, she doesn't have to be so thoughtful because she'll just eat what she wants and it kind of just naturally manages her energy balance quite well. Whereas obviously not everyone is so fortunate to be able to do that with their genetics or food environment, past history, that type of stuff. Anyway, I just thought it's quite a prominent comment because it is like one of these things where I think many many people struggle with just being thoughtless because. Um, and it, that might even work itself out a lot of the time of the year. But once you get to somewhere like Christmas, where your food environment dictates that, if you're not mindful, you will overeat for the points you've just said, Johnny. It's That's where people really then struggle. And I think that like one of the things with people that, I guess, put on weight... Yeah, I guess one of the, what I was going to say is one of the things that people put on weight, what we do tend to find is that people don't put on like... They don't suddenly just wake up overweight. They put on weight over a long period of time. They also don't tend to do that like consistently. They don't go like, you know, put on half a pound every week for 50 weeks type of thing. They tend to do it over a number of years and it tends to be around the holiday periods. So what I think there's some good data out there that shows that a lot of the general population, obviously it's all um, epidemiologic stuff. So obviously I guess there's no real like cause, but you can kind of get the, the idea that a lot of people will put on weight over the holiday periods. And obviously there's many holiday periods within the year. So they might put on two or three pounds over Christmas, two or three pounds over summer, two or th- like on a holiday, two or three pounds at Easter, whatever, you know, their birthday. And next thing they know, they're put on 10 pounds that year. And obviously the same happens the following year. And that's how people put on weight. And then what tends to happen is they don't then undereat the other periods outside of those holiday periods to make up for the fact they overate in the holiday periods. And that's how that weight gain slowly comes on, I think. You're on mute. You're on mute, Johnny. Good point. That's not good for a podcast, really, is it? Moot. No. But it's like, it's like it's like Christmas time. Look how easy easy it is to go and get into ten thousand calories a day for a couple of days on end. Or it's easy. People say ten thousand calorie challenges. It's not hard. Depending on what you're eating, make a, a big chocolate cake with half a tub of cream on. It's gonna be a lot of calories and a Sunday and dinner. You know, I don't think people realise that a dinner and a big lump of cake and cream is probably like. Well, well over two thousand calories. The cream, yeah, yeah. Sorry, mate, I'm talking over you now because there's this little lag, I think. But I just want to bring up the cream thing because that's that made me laugh. My mother-in-law brought a tot of double cream round, and it had serving size. Uh, I think it's like thirty mils because I looked at it, and that said like two like two tablespoons, and then thirty mils, obviously what they reckon two tablespoons would be, and uh, it was one hundred and fifty calories or something. So just your point on cake and cream. Yes, I've seen calories. And people, people go like, ah, pour it in. It's just more like 200. 500. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's more like, you know, two, you know, mega, mega amounts. And they do that twice. And they do it on Boxing Day. And you go to the thing of, oh, well, we've got some left, so we may as well have it. So 
you could you could easily put that pack in thirty thousand calories in three days if you want, you know. And people are greedy. Like I know people now have had a Chinese on Boxing Day. I'm like, <laughs> what? General like, General on Christmas Eve. I'm like, why? I don't get it. No, it's not, and, and this is not people who really can control their weight either. No, that's what I said. I said I don't get it. I don't get why. Like I said, look, it's Christmas Eve. We're about to have like the most indulgent day of the year, and then probably indulgent following days almost because our Christmas has never stopped because of leftovers and you know junk food and whatever else. Um, why do you want to kind of preload all of that with a with a Chinese on just because it's Christmas Eve? Do you know what we end up having? Well, you don't know, you know, because I didn't tell you, but funny. We had a microwave meal, like a Slim Zone microwave meal out of the freezer because we had no other food in. <laughs> so I, I ended up having like a, um, I think it was like a pea chicken risotto thing, which was about 350 calories. We just added about 50 grams of eat lean to it just to bump the protein content up. I was like, brilliant. Rock and roll life on a Christmas Eve. <laughs> and half a non-alcoholic beer. Lovely old job. That was shit, all fairness. Yeah, it's a bit shit, but we to be fair, we were busy just getting everything ready. Like I spent all day like cleaning the house and um, prepping things for Christmas dinner and all that sort of stuff. Like getting our presents kind of half sorted so that when the kids went to bed, we could then get them out and put them under the tree and just all that type of stuff. Next thing I know, it was like no half past nine at night time. I was like shit, but I have something to eat. So I did. Uh, I trained Christmas Eve. Trained Christmas Eve, and then trained back. Back in training again today and tomorrow, probably Tuesday as well. Mm. I would I would have trained Christmas Day if I'd have got a moment, and I have done previous Christmases because I actually quite enjoy it. I like the idea of just getting away for half an hour and just you know feeling excited because it's Christmas Day and I'm like, all the happy hormones are going. It's like yeah, let's get a good party pump. I'll never do like a full session, but I might do half an hour of like some high rep, low rest, like volume pump work, like party pump type stuff. And I think obviously it then sets you up for day because all those those post exercise endorphins all kick in as well and pair them with obviously the fact that you're in a good mood because of Christmas Day and seeing family. I know it's a bit different this year, but yeah, that was usually really good. But we were just so busy this Christmas, like we're prepping for because we normally eat out as well. So I had to do all the cooking myself, um, which obviously just meant I just never got a chance. So I was a bit disappointed. But no, but back today did uh, did an upper body session today. So um, yeah, did the same Christmas evening today. If you enjoy training, it's not it's no. <laughs> There's no issue with it, but people. I think a lot of people have a big issue with people training on Christmas Day, and it's like, oh, they're sad. Oh, oh you're I, obsessed. Yeah, but I, I think to myself, how many people turn Christmas Day into how much you can drink fucking day, which to me is pathetic. That, but that's all right, mate. Pathetic. These are grown men and women, like, grow the fuck up. That's my opinion on it. So if if, if that is you, clearly we don't see eye to eye. Not you, Brett, but if that's any that, of this. That is me. Eye to eye in that situation. But if you want to train, train. But if you're training to think you're going to offset any calories, then no, that is not the reason to train. Mm. Train because you enjoy it, or the kids are doing your fucking head in and you want to destroy them. <laughs> Crack on. That's 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 half the problem, isn't it? In that, like with a lot of things, and this is this goes with like throughout the year, not just Christmas. But half the problem is that there's this fine, and we've talked about it before on the podcast, this fine line between a good and a bad behaviour, and like training on Christmas Day because you enjoy it and it it positively influences your life brilliant i don't see any wrong with doing that and to be honest i almost say the same for people that just turn it into an all you can drink or you can eat session i actually think look if it's adding if it genuinely like if you reflect genuinely and be honest with yourself and it does add positive aspects to your life whatever go for it you know i'm happy with that what i don't like is when it it kind of turns into negative and take that training idea if if people are training because they feel that they have to 
because they need to do something. Whether it's because they're thinking they're directly offsetting, you know, what they're consuming, which is just inevitably never going to actually going to make a, a fucking shitload of a difference at all, or whether it's because they just, you know, the guilt if they don't do something kicks in. That's where this kind of good behavior or potentially good behavior, which you know, most people would argue exercises a good behavior, becomes a negative thing because it adds a negative aspect. It, it might create anxiety or stress or something if you don't do it. And that's where I think people need to take an honest reflection and really think about whether these behaviors there that they see as good are actually in essence bad. That's kind of almost like borderline orthorexic type behaviors, really. Yeah, 100%. Make sure there is a fine line between good and bad behavior in it. Yeah, because it's like, that. I... Sorry, go on. All psychology. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 even that idea of exercise all year round, with like I say, running or weight training or whatever it is, it's a healthy habit for many aspects. But the second it becomes detrimental in the realms of anything like psychologically, stress, anxiety, or just you know, non-exercise guilt, that type of stuff, that's when it's all of a sudden mm, you need to take a a good honest reflection I think and think about whether this thing is a positive part of your life and whether you should seek help or do something about it it can become because funny enough this comes to mind because Shelley knows a PT right and she's fair that's fairly new maybe she's been doing it two years so you would think you would you would have learnt quite a bit into it if you've dealt with quite a lot of, she's got quite a lot of clients as well because well, she's not in good condition but she's in some sort of condition she's too small she doesn't carry enough muscle I'm not saying she, she needs to be big but she looks tiny anyway she's like delusional basically and she's deluded she's deluding her clients as well which they, she's going to give them psychological issues like I don't want to say anything because it's like she knows her it's like i get into you if I didn't know you but um, she's saying stuff like she doesn't like for, for her no carbs, ever. She's like, oh, I've just had um, um, like 100 grams of sweet potato. i got to go for a run now. I'm like, ah, you are fucking fucked. Your mind is fucked. Mm. If you think a sweet potato is a cheat, and she's calling it a cheat now as well, which is even, I'm like, you are fucked psychologically. If you're dealing with clients like that, you shouldn't be dealing with them because you're going to be like, <clears throat> it's a slimming world is even freaking good compared to that. Yeah. Like, at least it doesn't demonise foods quite as bad. This is, I'm like, I'm already, she's on, show me on Instagram and she's, oh, I'm fat. I'm like, clearly after looking for attention, clearly, because you're like a size six, you clearly ain't fat. But she's like, I've got a diet. I'm like, you don't, you, you need to be bigger. As in, she's going for like the physique sort of look, but you need to add so much mass to look at anything like that. But you're fucking delusional. And be all deluding your clients as well, yeah. and wreck them psychologically. I, I just feel bad for your clients thinking like they get treatments if I can sweet potato. You think <laughs> that's, that's, think that's as bad as it gets if your treat meal consists of uh, sweet potato. But no, it sounds like she needs some some support. Really, it sounds like she needs some help because obviously that I can imagine that's not a particularly um, well happy place to be. I suppose and that's that's kind of the sort of things we're talking about, isn't it? And that people get mm. in th- themselves in this realm. And this, I mean it's not by, by no fault of her own I'm sure but you get yourselves in these realms where you believe these things and you know like sweet potato is bad or that you have to exercise if you've got to eat a carbohydrate or that type of thing and you think oh I mean we're all there once I suppose into certain realms we've all just had different severities compared to other people um, 
whether you know full blown issues or, or what. But the worst thing is she's teaching her kid the same. Well, I mean that that's the problem when it starts to then become an issue because it it dispel or dispills and distills distills not dispills distills into other people, whether it be clients, family, friends, or, or whatever. She's deliberately um, teaching her. Hmm. I'm like really annoy me, but you know, yeah. no matter what you say, if I say, if I go on Instagram and say it, one just no way to listen to me. Two, it gets me nowhere. Probably end up arguing or something. It's like, how do you? One of the things, how do you even approach it? So she, she needs someone next to her to say, hang about now. You're, what you're doing is fucking ridiculous, but you're teaching. And she's doing it from a place of, not because she's, well, she's clearly got some issues, not like anorexic or bulimic. Well, you don't know about bulimia, do you, really? But it doesn't seem like she's got that issue, but she, she's, the information she's taken is so wrong. And she's taking it and run with it, and just sees nothing else. Sees no information, but like, oh, I see mm. how to make people fat. And I'm like, surely you must have seen runners, or cyclists, or any top end athlete who ain't fat, who shovel carbs in, like it's going out of fashion, or bodybuilders who jam in insulin because it's going to help them doing fat loss phases. Like, yeah, well, being two years into a PT, you must, you must have learned something different to that everyone has their own journey time frames don't they um i mean i sometimes look back now and think bear in mind that i've kind of been i mean working in the street for the last five years and kind of i reckon from about 2012 probably till 2015 i was kind of doing the like a lot of people do kind of blog or um just kind of generally have that like you know have a fitness social media account and just put out the odd thing you've learned or whatever else in terms of just information to people not it's not meant as in terms of trying to educate people or providing any guidance or advice to people but you know it's like you start telling about your own food oh this is why i'm suddenly starting eating protein and this is why i'm doing that and so i've been doing that for well eight eight years five years working in the industry and i guess i look back now and sometimes think to myself what did i know then like naffle like i even even some of my you know, Facebook memories, the gift that keeps on giving. Um, some of the the statuses that I put out in the past, well, even the past four, three or four years, even before Mac Nutrition, I was like, oh, these are interesting. I should probably delete these <laughs> rather than leave them on yeah, there. I, I imagine none of them are not so bad. They're like... My, I wouldn't say mine were harmful. Most, yeah, of, most, of, most of my stuff was probably just like ridiculous shit. Like, I, 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 the, I don't know. One I can think of, um, and this is one of many, was like, I'm, I, my status says something about how I've just pounded a load of coconut oil and, and BCAAs and I'm doing my fasted cardio this morning and um, I think that was when I started getting into I f- first started looking at like Joe Wicks um, I think I got the the idea of coconut oil and BCAAs from like a men's health magazine um, so I used to have a subscription I used to sit there and look forward to reading that every month and that used to be like really motivating to read it like oh I'm reading all this fitness stuff and it's made me want to go like train or work out at the time my training was mostly cardio and a little bit of weights on like you know absolutely horrendous form no actual progressive plan in place just go in the gym pick up some things and go out um which obviously didn't serve me particularly well and uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll I'll, I'll put a thumbnail for this episode because I, I saved this picture the other day um I'm going to guess it's probably 10 years old I think and it's a calendar shot that I did for someone at work but with a, with 11 other blokes and there's me basically standing in my kitchen with just a fruit bowl covering my bits 
And I, I remember at the time thinking that I was all in like all right shape, like half decent. Oh, not, I don't know if I use the term half decent, but okay shape. Um, because it was kind of like at the first peak of my like initial weight loss and kind of into training and stuff where you feel like, oh yeah, you know, I've, I've had a bit of a transformation. What I didn't realize is obviously that's like one tiny peak of a transformation. There's a long, long way to go still. Um, but I'll maybe use that as the, uh, as the thumbnail because I think people will be funny when you think like, oh, you know, you, that Dunning-Kruger effect the way you think you, you know everything you've made it at that point. But in reality, I knew nothing and I was nowhere near where anywhere where I thought I should be. <laughs> it's always funny when you look back and you think, oh, uh, you're either, because you either go to ways, oh, I'm not in shape and you you are, you're just mentally, it's like a bigger record sort of thing, isn't it? or you think you're in better shape. You know, I always think, it's always mad to think, how would I think that then when looking back is clearly not the case? Whichever way you, whichever way it is, you're in shape and you don't think you are, or you're, you're not in shape and you think you are. You know what I mean? I think I had both. I had times of both. I had times where I was so self-conscious that, I, I, and then I had other times where I thought, actually, no, I'm all right. And I just kept flittering between different bits. And I think obviously at that period, I remember that because it was kind of after an initial like phase of weight loss where I had some successful weight loss. Um, I obviously thought, oh, I'm, I'm in all right shape. But I guess then the more you surround yourself with other people that are in better shape or the more you kind of generate some knowledge, you, you just get a better opinion of where you are. I mean, don't get me wrong, like we all still suffer now, like in terms of condition and what we compare ourselves to just purely because of the social media aspects that are about now, which weren't about 10 years ago. Because you're constantly seeing the best of the best on social media, which obviously we talked about before, this is no secret in the industry, but comparing yourself to the genetic 1%, that is basically what you mostly see on social media because they get all the likes and all, like but you can you can try and follow hashtag authentic accounts um but to be honest they don't get the same publicity and therefore kind of generation from algorithms and stuff to get put in front of people so it's it's always the elite that get all the attention all the likes and shares which means you just constantly see the same echo chamber of the top one percent and it's never it's, unless you are genetically the top one percent and you've got the the drive to be the top one percent do you never get there never ever ever but it's like <clears throat> that's the thing in it social media now like back to 20 years ago we just had magazines so you you just you wouldn't have the say it wouldn't be as in your face would it but like, even, you wouldn't see constantly different people every day no like even when you're in shape now you think oh, i'm too light or i'm not shredded enough but i will compare them to i mean more, most people in competition who are natural the biggest natural body was 190 pounds, 200 pounds on stage. The biggest, the, the most elite. And then you're looking at pros, it was 310 pounds. It's like, it's, it, people need reality, don't they? Like most natural bodies are going to be like 160, 70 or less, which is an average man mm-hmm. in terms of weight. Obviously not the average body fat, clearly not, but you're the average weight of a man, but with probably like 20% less body fat. But that's reality. Until you see reality in real life, it's like actually, it's it's not the same as I'm seeing on Instagram. Like yeah. you're going out dangle people and make and look bigger than you are, and you're not. And it's a bit mad, really, isn't it? It is a bit mad. Um, my Christmas then. I um, I'll just maybe talk about how because we we had the, obviously did the episode around how we're going to approach Christmas, um, and I kind of did what I said albeit what i didn't anticipate was one the really shit christmas eve meal <laughs> which to be fair i think i probably ended on a deficit for the first day in since august um on that day uh so 
nice little start to creating a little bank for <laughs> Christmas Day, unintentionally. But I actually didn't. I had a protein shake when I first woke up, double scoop of protein shake, and um, we did like the kids' presents and stuff. Then I quickly got a couple of things in the oven. Um, we then had um, some more presents to, to open from uh, my father-in-law and his girlfriend. Um, and then I started doing more cooking and things. And then next thing I know, it's like, fuck me, it's two o'clock. And I haven't actually eaten yet other than a protein shake. So I didn't. we didn't even eat our Christmas dinner until half past two, closer to three o'clock. At that point, obviously I had a massive mound of a, of a plate, don't get me wrong. But with that and a little bit of Christmas pudding for dessert, I then didn't want to eat for most of the day. I mean, I did, I did eat in the evening. I had still had some uh, bit of a tradition of like, um, part baked like petty pans you know like little mini rolls or like, all like baguettes and stuff nice. um, yeah very nice I do like but obviously with the leftover meats in and you know some pickles and stuff um, I did have one cheese and cracker because I felt like my mum brought a really nice cheese board round and um, I was I like, like mm. yeah I felt obliged to have it so I ended up having one cheese and cracker um, which to be fair I did want but I just I kind of wanted but then I was like I, f- I feel full and I don't really feel like eating so I kind of feel like I don't want it but I, I fancied it almost well no I thought I liked the taste of it but I thought I don't really want it because I thought of the fullness um, but yeah and then I think we did have a little tiny bit more dessert and at that point so I don't I don't really know how many calories I consumed on that day but I didn't really snack much on Christmas Day in fact I probably got a feeling I ate more on Boxing Day because I was just less busy I was so busy on Christmas Day with all the cooking and just everything that's going on. Because um, we did have my... We had um, my mother-in-law and her boyfriend round and then obviously my mum and dad round. Um, and then, because obviously the issues of fucking seeing three households, God, I, I can imagine a few families fell out this time of year. Um, obviously, because we had to obviously just think, right, we just have to pick parents, basically. Um, if you obviously then start to include like your sisters and like, other relations you normally see you've got to think right I've got to pick some of these now you can imagine how many scraps happened over this Christmas even though people just didn't bother obviously adhering to it no doubt um, but anyway with all the people around and then compared to Boxing Day when we there where I live went into tier 4 so therefore no, can't have anyone around obviously can't leave the house other than for essentials um, that's a whole different environment so all of a sudden I think I, I probably ate more on Boxing Day because of the fact that we just weren't busy and obviously there's still left loads of leftover food desserts all the Christmas like chocolates biscuits and god knows what else was given yeah i reckon i consumed more yesterday and maybe even probably end up consuming more today than i did on christmas day so no i haven't tracked i didn't track christmas day didn't track yesterday uh i haven't tracked today so far um i probably might start tracking again tomorrow if i feel like it i don't know i'm taking it quite relaxed because obviously I'm in the luxury of being in a, a gaining phase anyway where I don't have to worry quite so much. Um, if I overeat, or sorry, as I've overeaten, and if I continue to overeat for even to the new year now, if I'm doing it a bit more mindfully and just not going balls to the wall crazy, even if it results in might needing to do a small mini cut at some point earlier than I would have done, whether that be in January or, or whatever, or maybe February, I don't know, because obviously I would have planned probably a mini cut at some point earlier in this year after obviously been gaining since August um I might just have to bring it forward a little bit which wouldn't necessarily be ideal but then I'm kind of weighing up the optimal in terms of progression and body composition compared to do I just want to enjoy Christmas and have a bit more relaxation now with family and stuff so that's kind of two pounds a mini cut on it yeah I mean I'm if if even if I did happen to put on two pounds of body fat like two genuine pounds of body fat not two pounds in weight so for people listening um, that could be gone in two weeks quite easily on a mini cut 
So, yeah. So it's kind of... No, no, exactly. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, well... That kind of leads into a little bit, I guess, what we're going to talk a bit today around kind of... I want to chat about, because this will come out uh, the Monday... No, Monday after New Year's, I think. Mm. I think it was the date this is scheduled. Food. Yeah. Third or fourth? Third. Fourth. I don't know, whatever date that is. And um, it kind of obviously ties in with the whole, well, what does everyone do in January? The whole New Year, New Me type thing where everyone starts to reevaluate their their priorities in life and reevaluate, especially when it comes to health and fitness. You know, everyone goes and, and it might not be the same this year if they're open or not, but bangs the gym doors down ready to smash January and you know work out 96 times a a yeah. month um and I, I guess I want to talk about where like this might often go wrong for people and what they might be better off doing the biggest thing for me or people do is they go from ze- like you, they're trying to go from zero to 200 miles an hour straight away you're like no not going to happen. You may or may not have ever trained in your entire life. You don't have any idea about what to do, which is fair enough because you've never done it before. And you are not going to be prepared to feel like a bag of shit in the first couple of weeks because you will because you ache like 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 nobody's business. You've never done it before. You probably, I say like an overtrain, maybe you will, but... You might go in there and smash it to bits, and then you're going to smash yourself to bits because you're going to be aching so much for days and days, and you think, oh, my God, I can't do this. But rather than going, right, I've never trained before, this week I'll go once, and I'll go in there, and I'll, I'll sign up, and I'll get shown around by one of the staff. I'll do a little session, see how the machines work, get to know the place. I'll do that for the first week or two. Do a couple. I won't... I won't nail on days. I'll just go. I gotta go three times in the next two weeks, whatever days they are, and then ease in slowly rather than going. If you say to yourself, "I'm gonna go six days a week," you won't, because you'll do it the first three weeks, and that'll be the end of it. Not it's too much, it's too hard. I haven't lost any weight or whatever you're gonna do. Why I'm gaining any muscle, which you're not going to in three weeks, and it just gets <clears throat> well. Just end up back in the same place a year later than you doing. Well, new me, new year every year and doing the same mistakes every time so rather than trying to go under miles an hour straight away and train like you're a professional athlete go in and train like you are a couch potato because you will be and you have been so go in there take it slow make it realistic especially if you've got kids and family and things like that uh, maybe a busy job just aim for like three sessions in a fortnight or whatever <laughs> do it slowly don't plan it too much because you don't know what to plan anyway because you've never done it before so you don't know what to plan to do anyway just go in there uh, take your time because you're more likely to stick at it if it feels relatively easy like training 60 weeks 60 days a week for someone who's, who trains is hard but for someone who doesn't train is, and it's not impossible clearly but you can feel like a bag of shit by the weekend or by Sunday. Everything's going to be aching. You're psychologically like, oh my God, this is so hard. Like once once, once in the first week, you train on Tuesday, you've probably stopped aching by Saturday, maybe. And then you're ready to go again. And the Monday you think, oh, this is not too bad. This time it took me till whatever, Friday to feel good. Right next time I'll do two next week and, and build it up from there. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't... Uh, 
don't get your driving license and go in a race car do you because you'll crash it because you can't control it you just go in a small car you know yeah. little yeah. saxo little punto problem you might even crash that but you know it's a bit harder to crash and you learn and you go from there and then when you want when if you want to get to be an F1 fucking driver it's going to take you a few years to get there and by the time you're there you know to drive a car probably yeah now, I I think there's a couple of things on that in that what well two aspects to it almost one is that you know making it easier means you're more likely to stick to it because obviously if it's harder and you if you so and and that'll be the like you say if you're going to the gym and actually resistance training and you haven't trained before you haven't trained in a while just if you go and smash yourself you're gonna be so sore that you just not want to go again or if you kind of set yourself a goal that is so difficult to achieve because it just doesn't suit your current lifestyle or it's just so different than your current lifestyle aka go from tr- no exercise to seven days a week again you're just not likely to stick to it and you probably see far more success having something that is more achievable whether that's a right i'm going to exercise once a week for the first month twice a week the following month and just iterate or build from there um, and I think the other aspect that then kind of leads into almost is that idea of um, motivation um, versus basically oh, that that motivation versus habits. So that idea that if you if you need motivation to succeed, you just won't. I think that's a big thing because I think obviously if if like everyone, you're massively motivated in January because it's the end of the year, you've had that reflection, and you want to set yourself some goals, and you know you do that and you're really motivated but that the motivation wanes like motivation always does if you then don't have kind of the habits built or structure built or whatever it is to kind of make sure that that kind of becomes automation and not just the the need for requirement you just won't succeed you won't keep going so that's kind of like almost the two aspects to it one it being too hard and two not setting yourself up to actually build it so it is automated and built into habits i think that's why the what they t- they kind of almost intertwine together a little bit because when you kind of start saying, right, I'm going to go once a week and it's relatively easy to do that. You know, you've only got to find a little bit of motivation to go once a week. But once you do that and it becomes almost autonomous, you can then go, right, well, I'm, you know, I'm automatic going once a week now. That's just what I do. It just, it has become a habit and it's a lot easier to then implement a second day. So you can start going twice a week and eventually you'll probably find what suits your lifestyle, whether it's two, three, four times a week or, you know, some people five, six or whatever. Um, not, I'm not suggesting people should train that much. Most people probably don't ever need to, but um, that 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 kind of then becomes this kind of uh, automation or habits rather than the the fact that you ever need motivation. Because like Johnny, like how many times do you train a week, say, where you don't want to? Oh, do I like training at all? Well, okay. I'll say like this, right? I never don't want to train however when i'm there i sometimes think oh, fuck, i don't know i don't really feel up for doing this set that's my motive I, I never ever don't feel like going this is weird maybe it's just wrong question you, to ask. Do, yeah maybe i was gonna say do you, do you never get a bit like oh just oh, i don't really feel it today can't be, can't be bothered to go or you know something else feels more appealing no i get right. i get it when i'm in the gym like oh my god this scoffy is fucking horrific i don't find a really don't fancy this mm. i get that I don't really get that for training. No, I I still I even do, I do now still. Um, I still get times now where I'm like I get up in the morning because I train reasonably early morning as well. I get up and I'll obviously have like my pre workout breakfast meal. Um, often we'll we'll start tucking into the pre workout caffeine and stuff, and I sit there and I think I'll just let that caffeine kick in a bit. Um, because obviously you know 
make people aware that caffeine does take some time to get into the system and actually have some form of ergonomic effect um ergonomic ergogenic effect um obviously if someone taking your can of monster and sipping it throughout your workout probably not doing a lot just fyi um and also you probably need more than a can of monster as well unless you're really really small but anyway by the by um so this i sometimes sit there and i think gotta get up now gotta go start training really can't be bothered does actually happen to me quite often and bear in mind my gym is like out my front door into my garage it's not particularly like long journeys ago or, or that many barriers in the way to stop me doing it but i still sometimes feel like that every at least probably once a week i would say i still feel a bit like meh but how many sessions have i missed johnny none um. none because I, even though like i feel like not doing it i've just built this habit where it's just something i do in the same way okay maybe i should have said to you how often do you um do you do you feel like not brushing your teeth at night sorry to interrupt this episode but we just wanted to let you know that we're currently accepting applications to work with any of our coaches to help you lose weight and get shredded or build muscle and get jacked if you want to know more just head over to nnncoaching.com forward slash apply no contract links just evidence-based coaching to make sure you get the results you've always been after every, every, every night <laughs> can't, can't be asked yeah can't be asked exactly um because that's probably very and every night every for me, for me as well sometimes i sit there on the sofa at home, at home or we sit in the evening whatever you know and i feel like oh i'm starting to be a bit tired now i should go to bed so i go to bed and i'm like i just want to get in bed i don't actually want to brush my teeth so i'm sitting there brushing my teeth and i'm almost like thinking oh this is such a chore i just want to get in bed now i feel more awake than i did downstairs and i feel like meh I wish I hadn't had to do this, but you do it anyway because it's just like something you do. Like it's the same way as you brush your teeth the first when you get up in the morning or whatever. It's like it's just not something that even is a consideration of a yes or no. You just do it. And exercise does become a little bit that way when you commit to a routine and habits, and it just becomes something that you do. One hundred percent. You kind of. It's almost like you need a mentor from the off to get you to where you need to be quicker than you than you would. Because, especially with weight loss, people really, really un- underestimate how. Well, I say not underestimate. They overestimate how much weight they can lose in a, in a particular space of time. They think that, like, when you're 20 stone with like 30 percent, they're going to lose it all in 12 weeks. Yeah, you won't. So take years. But the, the the mentality of our society is it needs to be done now, and that mentality probably wrecked mm. millions of people, not just in fitness, but in other aspects in life. It's like. It's like in business, isn't it? There's not many billionaires in the world because there's not many people willing to do what they do. I know there's obviously the... Well, there's, there's that much opportunity or possibility, is there, but... In the end. I'd say it's not, there's also probably not that much possibility or opportunity no. to, to become a billionaire, no. let's be honest, but... Like, they have, like, a lot of billionaires are freaks, isn't they? as in, they operate in a different world to, to normal people, like Bill Gates, obviously, in different planets, isn't yeah. But, like, people are not willing to think, right, if I, I want to do this goal which is quite lofty they won't put the time in they think it's gonna happen now well they won't if you want to be a millionaire the average millionaire takes 20 self millionaire takes 20 years to make your first million 20 years is a long time of doing the same well not the same thing but being consistent day out day in day out being consistent day in day out yes you can have days where you don't feel motivated or you have slip ups or you overeat or you miss a session whatever but as long as over time you're consistent then eventually you will get to where you want to be, but the psychology is with people, most people is it needs to be done now, and it doesn't work with any well with anything. 
Probably also well, something most, no, no, I think gem, generally people, I mean, there's that Bill Gates quote that where he, he says like most people overestimate what they can achieve in one year, but underestimate what they can achieve in five. Mm. And like for weight loss, especially that's never, or, or, or yeah, it's probably even not even just weight loss, but kind of like physique change or, or anything in the fitness industry. That's probably like more than true. Cause you think about people on that kind of lies what you're saying around people want stuff now people want stuff now and they think right i can get shredded abs in six weeks and partly that's because of you know diet culture and you know mark fitness marketing all that type of shit but generally it kind of plays into the reason that fitness marketing and culture exists is because that does play into actual cultural mentalities that people have and um if people actually ignored that and realized that well no you're overestimating what you can really do there um and then, but but because they also underestimate what they could do in a longer period, that's kind of like a double whammy in that they get disappointed and give up. When if they realise that actually, look, if I under if I didn't overestimate, I underestimated what I can do in one year, which people you know would then be like pleasantly surprised because they've almost like they'll be able to over deliver on themselves. Um, and then stuck throughout, and then realise what they can actually achieve in you know a longer period, everyone would be far more successful and happier. But that just inevitably isn't the case for for a lot of people. And when we're talking about goal setting and New Year, New Me, that's really, really prominent because people will sit there in January and say, right, a bit like we said around kind of going to the gym and stuff. People will go, right, I want, I'm, I'm going to commit, I'm going to smash this, and you know, I, I want shredded abs. And by the end of January, if they haven't got it, they'll just give up. And actually, if they thought about, well, what if I stuck to this for the rest of the year? I wonder where I could get to by by next January or December, or whatever. Yeah, like you could, you could do a lot with the right psychology like in terms of fat loss yeah you can make considerable progress in 12 weeks if you know what you're doing like most people do start don't for one so you're limited there with what you can do like if you had the not if you had the all knowledge you needed yes you could make substantial gains or losses of fat in 12 weeks progress yeah 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 progress but in a year you could literally transform yourself. In five years, you could go from couch potato to Olympic athlete if you had the right genetics for one as well. But, you know, <clears throat> the best transformations don't tend to take 12 weeks. They might show you a certain aspect that was done in 12 weeks, but you don't see people going from very overweight to shred it in 12 weeks it just it doesn't happen like yeah. uh, renaissance periodization are dealing with a God, with a guy's name an actor he's massive really fat must have been 26 it, do, do you mean do you mean the guy because it isn't Israel friends with him he's the guy who was in My Name yeah. is Earl yeah. big fat guy got French yeah. sort of name yeah. he's not he French yeah I know you're on mud his name's like James not Dupree, but James Duval yeah. or something. But he's made phenomenal progress, and he's been doing it for a long time. And he's still don't get me wrong; he's, he's in good, he's in decent nick now. But he's still got for him to be single digit wife. I still got a long way to go, and he's been doing it a long time. And he was he'll probably never be shredded. Let's be honest, because of the he no, was no. severely obese at one point, yeah. and to be able to get to that point of being shredded, um, yeah. Probably he probably left of surgery in his skin. Like you don't, you don't oh, see yeah. it, yeah. but you probably would. Like he's got big arms, he's got a big, big frame. Because obviously he's been big, but he's, that hasn't taken twelve weeks. And 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 he's working with arguably one of the best 
groups on the planet for the, the science aspect of training and nutrition. So as as perfect as it can be, it probably is. And it's taken up probably years. I don't know the time frame in total, but it's pretty sweet. It's over a year. Yeah. Do, do you know what? Do, do, sorry, I just going to say, I don't, this isn't a tangent. I think this is kind of linked, but one of the things that I keep trying to instill in clients when I try and manage expectations and kind of manage people's assessment of themselves as well and assessment of their own progress is like, for me, like what helped me the most was when I realized that there is no end and that once I took off a any type of real timed don't get me wrong you can you can have like time goals and you can have like small like markers where you need to be you know you want to be x by x and stuff like that but i think when when you when you take the pressure of like knowing that there is an end point and you realize that this is constant iteration there is no end point and that kind of like a destination doesn't exist that is so freeing and so that just takes like a, a, a massive mental weight off of you when you realize that actually do not really matters like the direction you're going in matters not when you get there or how fast you go mm. and obviously like i have these conversations with clients because i keep trying to tell people like things like christmas does it actually matter at christmas time if you don't lose weight like you're dieting you know, for periods because you want to get to a certain goal weight fine like you know for me <laughs> dieting or get into a specific body composition or get into you know a specific weight loss goal for me, they're they're not particularly impressive. Um, I mean, they are, but as in, like, I, they're not the sort of thing that I really value. Like, what I value more is people's kind of like, um, uh, I suppose, like, uh, what's the best, best easiest way to describe it? I suppose I value people's um, psychological changes and kind of their things like their, their changes in food relationships and the kind of like the happiness generally way more than I do whether someone's lost twenty five pounds say over a period of time. Um, so like i keep trying to tell people like actually look if you start to look at things a bit differently and realize that there is no end there is no destination and actually as long as you're kind of focusing on this direction but over basically the speed you're getting there as long as you're in the right direction doesn't matter and obviously it might be a case of when it comes to things like christmas and stuff doesn't matter if you stand still for a, a day you know doesn't matter if you're you know you even go backwards for a day necessarily even that idea of direction doesn't really matter if you're if you're you're kind of you know you're not losing weight or you're putting on a bit of weight over a period because actually you're still going to head in the right direction because you know what way you're going because you know how to lose weight you know what matters you know the the habit formations what matters you know lifestyle change matters what and, and i guess that is the reason i want to bring that up because it's re- is really freeing for a lot of people when they realize that there is this there, there isn't this end destination and that you can just take all the pressure off yourself because it doesn't matter whether you're going to get there next week or it doesn't matter if you're going to get the next month and it isn't a failure if you don't it basically what is a failure is if you stop completely if you just give up there's, there's, too, there's too many of the eight week shredding program 12 week this 12 week that four week this six weeks abs 10 week this blah 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 and that it almost programs people to think that they, they've got to do whatever they're going to do in a small time frame. And as we know, the stuff that stays with you long-term and that will get you long-term results that you will be able to, to maintain for the rest of your days is the psychology of it. When your psychology is right, and you understand that, you know, like you said, I don't need 
I don't have to lose X weight in 12 weeks. I can do it over a sustained period of time. And if I, if I can grow myself psych- psychologically and have a better relationship with food and understand how to handle certain situations like holidays, Christmas, eating out, meals out, you know, takeaways, alcohol. If you can manage all that and introduce all that into your diet and not freak out in any particular um, holiday like Christmas or your birthday, and you can easily handle them, you don't think, oh, I've wrecked it because I've eaten over for a day, then you will, well, more than likely get your goal. Well, you will get your goal quicker than the people who who think they have to lose X weight in 12 weeks and have to survive Christmas by doing things they really don't want to do because they end up worse off, end up binging and going backwards. When people who are, like you say, take longer but work on the, the psychological aspect will end up getting to where they want to be quicker, funny enough, than the people who think they need to do it in 12 weeks. Yeah. Good. And I think, like, obviously that's something for me talking around goals and goal setting and you know people's specific goals are like oh right i need to lose a stone or i need to lose two stone and kind of setting these ideas in terms of real outcome like number-based outcomes almost um because it's this idea again of like process versus outcome and how motivation or how motivational it is or or how successful it is rather than motivation is probably the better word how successful they are in terms of people actually getting what they want because obviously we know focusing on the process and setting yourself process-oriented goals is far more successful in terms of reaching an outcome versus setting an outcome-based goal. Um, so that you know, as an example, instead of saying I want to lose two stone by January, fucking whatever, you know, uh, you might set a goal of actually I'm going to exercise three times a week and I'm going to start counting calories say or something like that obviously and then and, and i'll do that every day so that's your kind of your your focus on the process rather than the outcome and the latter is far more as in the latter in terms of what the examples i gave not the process versus outcome the, the prior as in the process is what's more important and more successful um and I, and I guess that's that's kind of like this idea of when people are setting those goals i just re- relate that back to what i said around kind of like january and people setting goals um when people come to me and say like, okay, yeah, like, I want to, I want to lose some weight. Okay, that's fine. Why do you want to do that? Then obviously they say, well, um, I don't feel very confident. Okay, well, no, like, why is it important to you that you think, or why is it important to you that losing weight is going to make you more confident? Say, or you know, ask yourself a question: Do you think it's going to make you more confident? And I guess like that's really important for people to understand, um, because obviously people's goals isn't to lose two stone like it almost is never that unless it's for a you know specific reason a very specific reason like a competition or something if you ask a client and obviously this is something you really push down our consultation route when we ask people around like why do you want to work with us and what are your goals really just keep stressing that same question almost like why is that important to you because it really does make a big difference if people understand actually why they want to do something not what they want to do does that make sense 100% 100% makes sense because always the first is the like you said it's the first oh what do I want to do I want to lose two stone but why oh yeah because I want to look better yeah but why oh because I want to feel confident because I want to do da 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 and then sometimes it, it can be quite difficult because they they have to think like what what do I really want and it ends up being because the the, the the end why ends up being much stronger than the original one. Is it? That's, that's uh, laser. Got a visitor. Yeah. 
was about to swear then, but I've realised that you probably haven't got your headphones in, you're just going to hear me. <laughs> I lost them where they are. <coughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the first way, if, if you built a plan on and they thought the first way they give is the real reason why they, they'd fail, I, I, most people would fail because it's not really why, what they want to do. The motive, not the motivation, the, the, the why isn't strong enough. Like when someone says, I want to lose a stone to fit in the X bikini. Right, why? Because I want to feel more confident on the beach. Why? Oh, well, uh, because, and that's a, the, it's, because we deal mostly with, well, I deal with mostly women generally. That ends up going down to a conversation that I don't think they expected to have. You're like, you didn't think, you didn't expect that answer to do from them. Like, like, no, I didn't expect that. It ends up being, well, actually, me and my husband haven't been getting, haven't been having sex tonight because I don't feel, I feel fat. I don't feel, and then it ends up being that is the motivation, not, oh, I want to look good in my ex bikini. So the, the why then at the end is the real reason why, not the bottle shit like, yeah, I want to lose stone. Yeah. Which is, yeah, okay, but nobody knows what them a stone like that actually looks like unless you've been there before and you have an idea right I know at this weight I'm, I look like this most people don't know what two stone less is like how many transformations have you seen don't get me wrong they probably enhanced as well but people have gained weight over a, these over longer periods but they've gained weight and look totally different yeah yeah I think I think another reason why it's really important to also ask that question like why is it important to you it's because it actually might come up with like other or you might set you might actually realize that you might be setting yourself up using the wrong or, or with the wrong goal almost like if you're let's 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 quantify a better example sorry so if your goal is like say right i, I want to start running and you start okay well why is it important you start running well because i want to get fitter okay well why is that important oh because i i want to obviously look better or i want a better body composition or whatever and then you might say ah oh, okay start to realize that um the reason or what you're asking for is is you've probably chosen the wrong method to do so you might start realizing that there's kind of other ways to do what you're trying to achieve or like you know you could take it away from fitness and say um i'm i'm i want i'm building my own youtube channel and i want 500,000 subscribers by you know xyz say it's kind of like well okay well, why is that important to you uh, because i want to be able to sell more products or influence more people or whatever and you're like well, okay do you need 500,000 to do that and then you might realize actually no i don't i only need ten thousand, but they just need to be more appropriate and in my my specific audience and therefore i'll get a far better like almost conversion rate and i think if you start really thinking about like why not what it just makes such a big difference in terms of how successful you'll be because of all the things are said around process versus outcome um the goal or the motivation side being more prominent or relevant to you rather than what you, you know you think might be the case and you obviously might also make sure that you actually do the right things and the right habits to get to that goal rather than something that you thought was best but isn't. You know, like the, the last example I just gave. So, I mean, superficial wise, don't tend to get people where they want to be. No, no, I agree. Totally agree. It's like if I had, if I, if I'd, how would I say it? If I'd planned it better the last year or so, then I wouldn't need. I gotta lose this much weight in this much time to get to go to you. I would have planned 
I should have planned it out better, really speaking. Need a coach um, earlier, mate. Yeah. Really speaking, I think people you you could have a coach all the time, can you? Not because you you don't know what to do. You, you it's it's nice to have your accountability and not have the thing to think right. Yeah, people, people. That last bit, people don't take the time to sit down often and reflect and review and actually set goals or set a strategy because they just don't. Whereas, obviously, if you pay someone else to do that, which is effectively what a coach is doing, yeah, don't think about it. Like, like some people in my situation go right because they've they've given themselves such a short period now. Like, I'm going to start on. I got eight weeks, I got twelve weeks to lose weight. So, well, we should have started before. Like, I started before, but should have been in a better place. Anyway, but like then the, the, their why is maybe not the real reason, and it, the twelve week that they think they need it doesn't work, and they fall off the the wagon because the why is superficial and it goes back to what we were saying earlier they haven't given themselves enough time and they've, and they've overestimated much how much they've got to change to, to look in the way they want and then that ends up leading to more uh, maybe not psychological issues so much but if you don't get your goal you feel bad in the place where you should have felt good because you've gone on all this and you shouldn't feel good but then you end up feeling Oh shit, but not so good because you've not hit the goal you wanted or you don't feel... And then the real reason is out there, no, I don't feel confident in my bikini, I, I feel like I feel like shit in front of people. And that's the real why you should have been concentrating on it beforehand. So it means it ends up turning what should be a good event into a bit of a shit one. Because you're... You're psych... You're psych I'm going to say a psyche. It's not right to start. You know what I mean? No, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we should cover. Um, I think one thing actually is probably worth just because it's this seems like a, such an obvious thing, but I think something that a lot of people still get wrong is like when you're setting goals for anything. But let's take you know the the premise that we want to talk about: New Year, New Me, that type of stuff. Um, and you set a goal. I think something people don't do is or do quick enough probably to then kind of almost like get you rolling is to actually take like action as in like if you take any type of step all of a sudden that goal is no longer a a goal in the you know out on the ether it's actually a goal in action it's like you know it started and I think you're then far more likely to then start to continue doing that and don't get me wrong it doesn't mean it's foolproof it doesn't mean you won't just stop at any point but I think it takes it from a goal on paper and all of a sudden it's one that's in progress. And I think that can be quite a big difference and something that I, I think it seems so obvious, but a lot of people don't actually do. Like, uh, I am going to set a goal where I'm going to do X, Y, Z this year. And then they don't actually take a first action, whatever that, that is, whether it is starting a plan on that, whether it's starting a strategy, whether it's, you know, if it's the gym, to actually go to the fucking gym for the first time type thing. Um, yeah, it seems like an obvious one, but I think one that a lot of people mess up straight away. Thing just to get a ball rolling, as you know, yeah. it's like if you lose half pound in the first week because you've done something, you know, you've had two Chinese less, then you go, Actually, I've lost half pound. You've started, even though it's an irrelevant number, at least you've started because <coughs> you've lost a bit of weight. It can be done, mm. yeah. And that, that that's kind of like um, a goal in progress is quite powerful, but um, what else do we have? Uh, 
So I suppose that there is one of these kind of like exercises which I wrote down because I heard on another podcast. Um, just that it, it sounds like actually it's quite an interesting exercise to do. And it, I mean, I haven't done it, so it's difficult for me to really put too much stock in it. But I quite like the idea of it. Maybe something that I might might do. But it's kind of like creating this um, this this idea called creative tension. Um, I think it was like Jordan Peters that um, that came up with, or I don't know if he came up with it, but certainly something that I've heard him talk about. But this idea of creating this um, kind of vision of your kind of current reality, or this idea you're going to get in your head this current reality, but then create this kind of vision of what you want say like the next year to look like so then you can compare the two and that creates this kind of what's called this creative tension where it's almost your current reality versus what it could be um and then it kind of pushes you to then obviously have to make one of two actions and one would be either um kind of working out a strategy of how you bring either your you know, your, your future vision you know you might have to manage your expectations and bring your future vision kind of closer to your current reality because you might be like my future vision is to become a billionaire you know and it's like mm, okay maybe you need to think about right it's so far away and there's so much creative tension that it's going to be too much so you need to bring your expectations back in line or um you even need to bring your or like find out what you need to do to push your current reality closer to your vision and obviously that can be quite powerful because i think obviously then once you've kind of got those two ideas basically where you are now where you want to be you can start to bring them together and work out what you need to do to get them together and then obviously it's just like a lot of things really this constant iteration of reviewing and checking and then seeing where you are and then making adjustments and then doing it again going again yeah I never said make sure about the billionaire thing it's like it's so so far away from where you are now where it's like intimidatingly big in it so you've got to break because you make smaller steps so you end up getting there but I think it's adding things that you can do maybe every day but consistently you have to do it all the time so you can check it off every week right? I've done it this week I've done it next week I've done it the week after but it's like competent dressing it eventually you're so far away from where you were you're like Christ I've actually come quite a long way mm. you know what I mean? yeah for sure for sure and I guess obviously that idea of like compounding is is massively powerful and I think often under I was going to say underused um, under Real, yeah maybe underused underrealized i think it's basically people don't realize that how powerful compounding can be it's like these small kind of compound interests almost idea of that it just slowly compounds over time into something massive um a bit you know that that is that is almost the epitome of kind of how weight loss works and how muscle gain works over time in that obviously muscle gain being longer than, than weight loss but this idea of this you know under overestimating what you can achieve but underestimating what you can achieve in the long term that's how that's compounding makes that like almost brings it to reality in that if you just gave it time and that compounded over time all of a sudden you look back and think bloody hell i have lost two stone or bloody hell i have put on xyz amount of muscle or whatever um just people are just like you said really just going back to the start it's so impatient but yeah if you ever see the compound dress calculated or graph like it's normally yeah, when you get do, to do, like, do, 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 yeah we get to like 15 20 years of money wise of money like it's like bloody hell no someone has Say a poultry amount of money, a small amount of money to start and could end up being in the millions in 25, 30 years. Or clearly, that's a long time. But if someone wants to be, this, I think it's a quote from Warren Buffett, they ask him, Why are more people rich? Or is this easier? He said, People don't want to get rich slow. Yeah. And what he says is right. You can, everybody, I say everyone, I'd say everybody, most people could become rich. They just, they don't want to commit 
to the next 30 years of being disciplined with their money. It's mm. like people I'd... don't want to be disciplined for a long time. They've got a lot of weight to lose. Yeah, I'd say discipline with money and time because I bet you Jeff Bezos doesn't sit there and watch Netflix documentaries each night. Well, he might do now, <laughs> but I bet he didn't for a long time. Yeah, but that's the uh... thing. These... And it goes with, to some degree, with what people look like on people look to in the magazines and the, the pinnacle of their careers like these these billionaires who created businesses are I think people people envy them because of what they've done but they they wouldn't want to be them or they wouldn't like people think oh I'd love to be like ah. like would you would you want to work 18 hours a day every day seven days a week without even a thought of going on all day because you don't because you're so engrossed and you in you well, you, they enjoy what they, they must enjoy what they do because they wouldn't do it otherwise I wouldn't think but yeah. the people just don't understand what like I don't but I, I've no, I've watched a few things about Bill Gates and he said he, he like he operates in a different planet like he's an alien an intellectual alien it's like you can't comprehend how they work and it's like top level athletes you can't comprehend how they work Speaking on top level athletes, um, slight segue. Have you watched the Tottenham documentary on Prime? Have I spoke to you about this? Yeah, I've seen the Spurs one, the City one, uh, the All Blacks, a few of them. Yeah, interesting. That you wouldn't think they were top level athletes, though, would you? Based on what you see on that. (laughs) Yeah, I think. Yeah, some of some of the way the footballers behave, like you are, you know, you'll pay fifty grand a week to play to knock a football around, be professional. Like they should be like Roy Keane, Gerrard. I I like. um, Harry Kane's warm-ups or like pre-match speeches. Just they're just literally profanity after profanity, no substance whatsoever. Go fucking hard, boys. Go fucking yeah, go do it, boys. Fucking push, boys. Yeah, go boys. They're like Jesus Christ, is this what you get paid 150 grand a week for, mate? Bloody, hell. I know it's not. It's scoring goals, but um, still, I was like, <laughs> I I don't know why, but and this this goes with the, I suppose what we know about nutrition protocols of professional athletes. Um, it kind of goes along the lines of that. You just expect so much more from someone that gets paid so much money at like the what's supposed to be the pinnacle of an industry, um, but clearly not. But yeah, anyway, I thought I'd bring it up because it's interesting. Oh, if anyone's watched it, I would say give it a watch because it is really, really good still to watch, even though it's funny. But um, even the wife liked it. Even the wife was interested in watching it. Yeah, she, uh, she just said it's interesting watching how football clubs kind of run or or like how people within the business act and stuff. Yeah, I think it does show as well. But like, for the nutrition side, it's like, like genetics do play a big role as well. Because they, they could relead what they want. Can they? The biggest role, biggest, the biggest role by a long, long way. Yeah, I mean, yes, for, for a lot of people like like runners, if if you're carb depleted, you ain't winning. Generally speaking, as, a, as an endurance athlete, yeah. you just haven't got the energy to, to push to get to the finish. But it's like with footballers, they can do what they want, can they? And because they, they they sprint, of course they sprint in, but they're not sprinters, so they you know they don't need to be rapid for ten seconds. Are they ever ten seconds? There's a couple of seconds sprinting, and they don't need to be endurance athletes. They don't oh. need to run for a full hour and a half. They stop, start, stop, start, stop, start half time in between so they basically do whatever they like but you do find the the, the, the pinnacle of, the, of football like Ronaldo more so Ronaldo because he's in the line but a bit more 
but look at his lifestyle it's like anything everything he does revolves around being better and his diet is looks from the outside in to be good like he's interested in I need to be at the pinnacle to be that and he is the best player in the world don't get me wrong he's obviously genetically gifted for that sport as well but however he wouldn't be where he is if it wasn't for his mentality of training like an lunatic and he didn't and yeah being revolved on football like Harry Kane will never be him ever 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 because he just hasn't got the same level of discipline that he's got I I don't I, I don't know how much I agree I mean I don't disagree with you but I don't know how much I agree with you just because I think I'd, it'd be interesting if we could ever run an RCT on Ronaldo about you know getting another version of him and yeah. not doing those things and see how different because I don't actually think it'd be that different like I, because my mentality or my idea, and obviously it's completely un, un evidence based, but I kind of think that most professional athletes would, for the most part, regardless of what they do, would be ninety nine percent of where they are because of genetics anyway. And I think even the bits that what they they do in air quotes is already kind of like almost genetically driven that they kind of do the most of the things they need to do anyway just without thinking and naturally like I think or they've just fallen in the right people that are given enough guidance I mean basically like a professional footballer like a Premier League professional footballer most of them like talent genetics and knowing doing the basics just about is more than enough to do 99% of where they are and obviously yes you could there'll be people that then dial things in really specifically and you know, focus on nutrition and really good training and all that stuff and you know managing recovery and stress and sleep and all those things which then get them that two three percent better but then they're probably the differences of someone like harry kane being in a spurs team and harry kane's probably the wrong example because i don't actually have any idea what his protocols and his kind of actual um strategy is but just just assume like you know it might be the difference of him being in a you know a world class footballer in an England and Spurs team when he might have ended up playing for a lower level club like a Villa or Burnley or sorry any Villa or Burnley fans out there, but just just you know he might have been in a Championship team instead and that might be the difference between like he's, he's got most of the way there with talent, but maybe Harry Kane's the right example because he's probably not the most like the, he's not the player you think of when you talk about God gifted genetics and stuff and Ronaldo and Messi's probably are but. Um, I think Ronaldo's and your Messi's are probably so far off the charts. I I think you could probably still do very mediocre in all of his strategy and probably still be the best in the world just because he's just so talented. And like you say, his his kind of like genetic physique is is like someone like Ronaldo. He's tall, muscular, lean, probably very fast twitch because he's rapid. He's got skill. Or I, mean, I guess the skill part comes with a lot of practice and things. Don't get me wrong, but there's obviously also I think got to be some sort of genetic component to that. I think none of that goes away, no matter what he does. So he'll probably be the top one percent or top zero point one percent anyway. Oh yeah, this like, is perfectly built for football. Should I talk about a few years ago? It was seen. Yeah, I remember what there was a scene on that where they watched, and this this made me laugh. I like, and they couldn't explain how this happens, but they were they were whipping in corners and watching him head a ball in. And obviously, you think like he's not known for his heading, but actually, he scored a lot of good headers. He was, and he's got the attributes for being a very good header. And they were doing this scene where they they then turned the lights off and kept whipping these balls in. And he was still heading it in the dark, like it was literally pitch black. And they were like, it's just natural judgment, reaction, ability. Like it's almost like you didn't need to see where the ball was going because he it was almost like. As soon as, he, as soon as the ball left the player's foot, the lights go off. He can almost just genetically, instantly, or whatever, 
judge where the ball's going to go. And you think to yourself, that kind of shows you really that, you know, there, is there that much training or is it work effort or ethic or effort or that type of stuff? Or is it just the fact this guy is just the most uber talented person, one in a generation type thing, which is probably the latter. But anyway, probably. big he tangent. He wasn't too far behind at an Olympic level, and the sprinter, was he? No. So he's as quick, well, not as quick, but, you know, is quick of a ball. Quick. Even the better 100 meter sprinter can jump as high, well, not far behind a professional basketball player, can score goals in the dark. It's shredded. Yeah. Yeah. It's like mad, she... isn't it? Anyway, we've. Uh... Sexy as well. You are, and he's sexy as well. Yeah. You dirty, dirty boy. I didn't realise that you, you you had a you're taken for the Portuguese wizard. Is he Portuguese? He's not really. Yeah, well, I suppose you, as a, as a United fan, you suppose you got you got to like him, still, haven't you? But um, we're an hour twelve in, mate. So um, I say we call it there. Um, enjoyed that, thank you. Um, hopefully, the listeners enjoyed the the ten. Hopefully, we'll have some good guests on soon as well. So um, into the new year. So if anyone's got any ideas, guests that they would think would be a good person to get on, get in touch because we'll we'll happily have anyone on. Really, even if yourself, even if you want to come on, have a little ramble and a chat. Don't have to be even in the industry. Just want to come solo? <laughs> Why not? Yeah, that'd be right. That'd be right. Yes, yeah. Um, if you want any help with the new year, new me, then you know where we are. Get in touch. Info at nncoaching.com or you can Instagram nnn Johnny. Mm. Johnny nnn nnn Johnny nnn Johnny, isn't it for you? Um, and then obviously me, Brizzle Hadley. Um, that is it. I think. Please like, rate, subscribe, review, all that shit, and uh, buy your cheese. And we will, I suppose, see you next week. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks for listening to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast. We'll speak to you all next week.